HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Kane5.com. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hi, and welcome to A Taste of the Past. I'm your host, Linda Palaccio, and today is a special event because I am at the IACP conference in Washington, D.C. It will be long gone and over with by the time you hear this broadcast, but I am sitting here with Anne Willen, and Anne has an extraordinary career in the culinary arts and is recognized as one of the world's preeminent authorities on French cooking. She founded École de Cuisine La Varenne in Paris in 1975, and she was inducted into the James Beard Foundation Awards Hall of Fame for her body of work in May 2013. Anne has more than 50 years' experience as a teacher, author, and culinary historian, and she's written more than 30 books, including the influential La Varenne Pratique, which was, and she also did a... a um, 26-part PBS program on the Lavarin cooking methods. Uh, and she, the last time Anne was on A Taste of the Past with me, we were talking about her recent book at that time called The Cookbook Library, Four Centuries of the Cooks, Writers, and Recipes that Made the Modern Cookbook. And I am particularly interested in speaking with Anne today because she is going to be presenting at the IACP conference, the International Association of Culinary Professionals, and she's going to be talking about the Opera di Bartolomeo Scappi and how this for the group on food historians. And she's going to be talking about this particular cookbook. And welcome. Very glad to talk to you, Linda. Why did you choose? to talk about Bartolomeo Scappi's work, his opera, this book. Well, it's a wonderful book, and it was chosen by the historical cookbook committee who was looking for a single classic cookbook each year, 
and this year they chose opera. Now, last year it was Amelia Simmons' cookbook, right? Indeed it was. And this year, so it will be the classic Amer- classic cookbook, cookbook. Of, two- of 2015. Or, exactly. Or another another one in the annals of classic but cookbooks. But it's a bit older than 2015. Well, and indeed. So tell me how old this book is. I know how old it is. Tell our listeners how Published old it is. Published in 1570. 1570, and it's quite an amazing work for 1570. It's an astonishing work for that date. It has more than a thousand recipes, and the great thing and the big step forward in that book is how carefully it's organized. It's very clearly indexed, but it groups fish and meat and um, few vegetable dishes but it divides them fairly carefully into categories the recipes are very clearly described so um, they have on the whole measurements for most of the ingredients he describes how to choose them where they come from and in great and almost chatty detail, a very personal voice. He describes how to treat things, how to cut them up, how to store them, that sort of thing. So it really and truly is a precursor of the modern cookbook. Indeed it is, and there had been some outstanding cookbooks before him, but never in such detail, and never in a style um, and an organization that we would recognize instantly. He has menus for different occasions. I read that where I have um, the one of the translations of his book, yes. and I'm, I love it because he has these menus. Some of these menus contain a hundred different dishes. Well, he was a long while before what became the fashionable rule in the late 18th century, which was one dish for for each guest. That is to say, if you had a hundred guests, you had a hundred different dishes. (laughs) Wow. So perhaps Scarpi was following the same amazing precedent. But aside from all his wonderful recipes, a thousand, more than a thousand recipes... He gives wonderful illustrations of what the ideal kitchen should be, right? And cooking utensils. Yes. And one can just look at them. There's a whole page of knives, and the handles are shaped just like good knives are nowadays. They're riveted like knives today. You can pick out the sort of classic five that you want in a knife set in Scappy's illustration and then of course his kitchen has everything the cook of the date could need has running water of course it has a great open fire and the turn spit there's a shield for his face so he doesn't get too hot and there's an overhead lamp there's cross, a cross draft with two windows high up 
so that the kitchen's aerated. There's a mortar and pestle. There's a bale of straw hanging from the ceiling into which you stick your knives so that they're not a danger to anybody else. Ingenious, right? Mm. I mean, so many lessons that the modern cook can learn from him just on how to set up how to Absolutely. set up a kitchen. Yeah. And everyone is clearly organized. I love the bale of hay as a knife holder. That's it's lovely. Isn't cheap it? and easy, right? Yes. <laughs> Ingenious, yes. yeah. Um, it's you in your um, cookbook library, gorgeous book that you wrote with your husband. And um, based on, well, you have many of these books that you did on this cookbook library. It really is the um, four centuries of cooks and writers. You devised this wonderful family tree of cookbooks. <laughs> so, and I know that Bartolomeo Scappi's work falls in this tree at indeed some point. Indeed it does. does. It's, it's like a family tree, really. It's, and, it is right. indeed a family tree, and there are four of printed cookbooks. Printed, right. Um, and there are four before 1501, that's to say four in Cunabula, one in Latin, Platina, printed in Rome, one in French, Taillevant, printed in Paris, one in German, Kuchenmeistrei, printed in Nuremberg, and one in English, printed in London, uh, Book of Cookery. Isn't that wonderful? I, I think it's, it's in beautiful. And that's all there are, just four, those four. Um, and it shows that already uh, there were not that many different printed books before 1501. They think that there were probably about 700, but four of them in four different countries, four of them were cookbooks. So people already really cared about what they ate. Indeed. And there were certainly personal manuscripts, and these manuscripts were, as I say, very personal, handed down from, from one family to another. Indeed a there were, and of course there were more elaborate royal manuscripts, and, and the church, as it were, royalty, uh, would commission manuscripts. So these four printed books are descendants of a very noble heritage of manuscripts. Right. And they were, um, we would imagine, disseminated quite, um, in quite a large area of, of cooks, of special cooks in, um, in, in well, cooks, large households. Or you see, probably most of them were illiterate. Right. And can you imagine taking what would be a valuable manuscript into the kitchen of the time? So I think probably they belonged to the master of the house and they would be kept in his small library of manuscripts. So the lord would, of the house would read this book, read the recipe, and then talk to his cook about it. Right? Exactly. Interesting. The mother would be probably an even more <laughs> extended hierarchy, but yes. Right. Well, these four very important cookbooks formed the umbrella, if you will, of your... I will say famous <laughs> cookbook tree and then everything else just sort of descends from these four important works. Well it suddenly occurred to me 
Um, we have a, fa- a family tree of one of our families hanging in the closet, and I've been hanging up my clothes. And I looked at it and I thought, but that's cookbooks too. You can see where they come from. And Scarpi, for example, is a high Renaissance, beautifully printed, beautifully illustrated, um, a pleasure to hold in the hand, and is an example of a small handful, um, not even a handful, three or four um, high Renaissance Italian cookbooks. Now, how many extant versions of the original cookbooks are there? Do you know, have any idea how many You exist? mean of how many scarpies? Yeah. I have, obviously, a modern translated version. Um, um, well, there were apparently 12 different editions, contemporary editions, as it were. It was translated into several languages. How many have survived... I really don't know, but it's not extraordinarily rare. Um, 1570, so it's not, you know... Exactly. A hundred, two hundred, but that's total, total guesswork. Well, you certainly are the person to talk about this, because you're no stranger to translations and and older recipes that you have put into practice yourself because you developed your own pratique of cooking instruction when you opened La Varenne, the cooking school in Paris. And in fact, today I'm, I'm so pleased to have in front of me your brand new book, which is Secrets from La Varenne Kitchen, 50 Essential Recipes Every Cook Needs to Know. Tell me what you know, you you published in the the Varenne Pratique, mm-hmm. which was you know your basically your lessons from that cooking school. Yes. Why? What are the secrets? What is new about this book? What are these secrets? Well, it's never been published, but we had a little booklet that we handed out to all our students because you cannot do without it. There are some recipes like pie pastry. Um, stock, the three different meringues, um, shoe pastry, just how many eggs do you add for a certain amount of flour that you kind of don't remember and just need hastily to look up. And they're basic recipes that lead on to other things. So like mother shoe, recipes. Exa- the mother recipes. All the mother sauces are in there. A few of the variations that come from the mother sources exactly so you so all these little secret no one else ever got a hold of these booklets before unless they attended exactly your... <laughs> so now you're releasing them to the rest of the public. to the rest of the world <laughs> well yes. it, and they and originally many of these were is it true that some of these were originally based on Albert Joan's um, recipes, or was this part of his repertoire? Well, it would be. Albert Joran was our pastry chef, uh-huh, okay. and he actually happened to say, and I found a quote in one of my cookbooks, that there are 50 basic recipes, and if you know those, you can cook anything. 
and these so are exactly what he means. So that's what's in your little booklet here. Yes, and um, I've been researching their history. I mean, of each of the recipes, and some of them um, are really very old. I mean, when you think about broth and stock and veal stock, I mean, here it is right back in fashion again. Right. And there are places like Rodo, right. that's it, bone broth. And I mean, it must go back to medieval times, because sure. nobody's ever thrown out the bones right. with some of them. So some of them are very old, but nobody really knows um, the first ma- uh, meringue-type recipe that I found is in La Varenne, um which isn't La Varenne, but attributed to La Varenne, 1653, Pastissier Francois. And they're little meringues with flavoured with lemon. Hmm. Um, but they were not called meringues. No one quite knows where the name comes from, possibly from some obscure German word. Um, but all of the recipes, where does pie pastry come from? Well, in medieval times, they would bake meats in pies, and they would make a flour and water paste to protect the meat. You wouldn't eat that pastry. And you no. wouldn't eat it because it would be thick and it hard. Flour and water, very heavy. So you put it in the ashes of the fire and baked it the hell out of it until the meat was cooked. And then when you wanted to serve, you cut off the top and you threw away the dough. And so then people, I think, said, but how awful to throw what away the dough. Yeah, what a what waste. waste. How could we make it edible? And then someone else said, well, you know, if you baked fatty meat in it, it's much nicer to eat than if the meat is just plain meat. Perhaps if you added fat to the flour and water paste, it might be nicer. And of course it is. Uh, Eureka. (laughs) Eureka. Exactly. Uh, the, and these are all, as you say, very timeless and and very reliable. And it's stated in the book that these are timeless and reliable. Anyone can use these recipes for today's in today's kitchens with today's absolutely, food. absolutely. Which brings me to a point. Um, we were talking earlier um, before I started recording you, and that was about um, oh, you've been lauded as as along with others like Julia Child um, of having launched modern culinary industry but you you have a different explanation for that and that's sort of like where where has culinary education come throughout well, this figure you well, opened over in 75 so yes but I'd been cooking professionally then for not all that long 15 years Um, Julia and I were early into the wider field of culinary professions. Writing about it, Julia on television, I was doing a lot of teaching. I taught at the Cordonga in London. I taught a certain amount when we lived in Washington. Here we are again. Here we are in D.C. again. And I was the food editor of the main newspaper at the time, 
called The Washington Star. So writing um, for women, it certainly was, of course, not the beginning, but expanded. Then women started running catering businesses, women on television. Um, I'm thinking particularly of women, but this also applies to men in cooking. There's food styling, food photography. Uh, Now, all of those internet um, careers, branches of food, there's recipe testing and recipe development, which is way back too. There were nutritional um, avenues to go. And all of that has really happened since the beginning of the 70s, I would say, and is expanding all the time. Wonderful. Right. And certainly the growth of women in the kitchen of a restaurant we know is very recent. You can see the expansion of, of the careers of women. Slow, yes. but steady. But steady and much respected. Yes. Which is enormously important. Yes, indeed. Well, I think that all of this is, is very exciting. And I am so excited about Scotty's book being chosen as the, the classic cookbook of the year. I think it's long overdue, 1570. <laughs> he would be delighted. Yes. In his book, he has um, an opening introduction, which a lot of cookbooks have. And he says uh, in it, I am addressing this to you, my chosen successor, so that everything that I know may be passed on to you. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And you're doing Isn't a it? very similar thing here with your secrets from the Lava and Kitchen. You are sharing those secrets with all of the rest of us, and and I, I applaud you for that. I think it's wonderful. Even though the, the Paris school has closed, you still give classes in Santa Monica. Indeed, we yeah. do. But this book is a treat for anyone who wants to sample those mother recipes from La Varenne Pratique. And thank you so much. As always, it's a pleasure. You are um, an elegant and knowledgeable woman of history, and I thank you for sharing your thoughts with me here on A Taste of the Past. It's lovely to talk to you, Linda, always. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.